Another edition of Talk More Talk, a solo Beatles video cast where we talk about all things from the solo years. But of course, the Beatles do come up now and then. Welcome uh, to uh, our show tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. And we have a packed, packed show tonight. We have a lot of news to share. We have a couple of milestones to celebrate from our uh, colleagues uh, tonight. And we have a, I think it will be a fascinating conversation um, for our main topic, which are some of our favorite Paul McCartney and George Martin collaborations. And as always, you are going to be a big part of the show because we want to hear your favorites as well. So we have a lot to get to. So let's get to it. But before we do, uh, as always, we'll uh, introduce ourselves. I'm Kid O'Toole. I am the author of Songs We Were Singing, Guided Tours to the Beatles, Lesser Known Tracks, as well as Michael Jackson FAQ, All That's Left to Know About the King of Pop. Uh, you've probably seen my writing on various sites. I've been on a number of podcasts, and uh, also I'm an associate editor of Beatle Fan Magazine. And as always, I am lucky to be joined by not only esteemed uh, broadcasters, scholars, uh, but also really good friends. So uh, let's start with, uh, you know him, <laughs> he's, he's raring to go already, you know him from uh He's been on YouTube for quite a while, and we're actually going to discuss that briefly in just a bit. Uh, you know him from his channel where he talks about all things collecting, not just Beatles, but uh, actual number of other artists as well. He does comedy um, and uh, does interviews, and he also has another channel where he talks about his other passion movies. So you know him by mean Mr. Mayo, but around him we call him Joe Mayo. So hey Joe, how are you doing? Hi Kate. Hello. Hello guys. Hey, Good Joe. to be here Hello. again. Absolutely. And you know him as the co-host of the very popular podcast Two Legs, which is all about Paul McCartney, so I think he is really going to enjoy the show tonight. And uh, it is also uh, expanded into a video cast. So, uh, so the his empire is growing. So, say hello <laughs> to to Tom Hanyadi. Hey, Tom. Hello, kids. Hello, uh, Ken. Hello, Joe. Great to see you guys once again. And hey, Tom. going to be another I fun, uh, another fun episode. Yes, Tom. Hi. Yeah. 
some fun tonight, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> and and last but definitely not least, he is a, a legend in the Beatles community, I think it's safe to say. Um, he is the host of the long-running syndicated show, Every Little Thing, where he plays just about that, Every Little Thing, from the solo and Beatles years. He is also the co-host of the long-running and very popular podcast, Things We Said Today. And uh, we are going to be talking about uh, his uh, career, because he's marking a milestone as well. Um, uh, but we'll get to that. And and I know I've said this many times, he is Mr. Chart History. So say hello <laughs> to Ken Michaels. Hey, Ken, how are you doing? Good. Hey, hey, Kit. Hey, hey, hey everyone. Hey. <laughs> notice, oh, notice my greeting there is a Paul McCartney song that George Martin produced. Correct. So Very, good. I, Very good. I had to pick that one to say hello to everybody. It, it all ties together, doesn't it? Yes. So, And I see we already have people tuning in, so hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. So, uh, all right, so let's, uh, let's get to it before we get to our main topic. As always, we have our ever-popular news segment, and uh, Ken, I have a feeling we have a lot to cover tonight, so... Uh, so I'll do another uh, uh, Paul and, and George reference. Take it away. Take it away. <laughs> Very good. Very good there, Kit. Um, first of all, unfortunately, we have to talk about the passing of Ashford Kirscher, who was a good friend of the Beatles during their Hamburg days, known for her amazing photography, uh, taking lots of great and now considered iconic photos of the group. Tom is showing you right there. Um, among the most famous was of the five Beatles, John, Paul, George, Stu, and Pete at a fairgrounds in front of an open truck. And I believe Mark Lewison was quoted as saying it's the most famous picture of the Beatles when they weren't famous. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> aptly put right there. On meeting the Beatles, Astrid is quoted as saying they were all so young and I was so different. I was a few years older. I had my own flat, my own car, my own career. They hadn't met anyone like me before. In some ways, I was more like a mother figure. That's a quote from her. She and Klaus Vormann and Jürgen Vollmer, all artists who lived the bohemian lifestyle, were among their closest friends during their time in Hamburg. Astrid is credited for giving the Beatles their haircut, although you hear very conflicting stories about that. How much in detail do you want to go into here? Um, you know, you hear a lot of different stories about how the Beatles got their haircut. But um, from what I've heard, you know, it was a haircut that French students were adopting at the time. And apparently German students were as well. Jürgen Vollmer, who was in France, got the Beatle haircut. Um, Astrid gave the haircut to Stu. And then George took the haircut. And then later on, John and Paul got it from Jürgen when they traveled to Paris the following year. This was October of 61. So she didn't invent the haircut. No. But, um, you know, she's credited for, for starting it with the Beatles. Hmm. And, um, and then I've also heard, and this is based on what Mark Lewis had, had, has said, that um, she gave Stu the haircut based on her own haircut, which was already, her hair was forward. You know, it was brushed forward. So she was copying that. I've also heard stories about how 
the French might have gotten it from uh, the Marlon Brando film uh, where the Romans had their haircut that way. Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar. Thank you, Tom. Mm -hmm. um, so all these different stories about the haircut, but still, Astrid was there at a key pivotal moment when it all started, and she gave it to Stu, then to George, then John and Paul got it from Jurgen. Okay. Um, also... Uh, we know Pete Best also never got the Beatle haircut. You hear different stories about that, whether he didn't right. want to be accommodating. I've also heard that his hair was kind of curly, so it didn't really work as well. I know when I interviewed Pete, and Pete has told this to several people, he said that if the Beatles had asked him, he would have gotten it. But you he was the he only would. one. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, the only one that didn't didn't take to the haircut. Yeah. So anyway, Astrid originally dated Klaus Vormann, and when Stu arrived, she immediately fell in love with him. Stu chose to leave the Beatles to have a life with Astrid and to pursue his career as an artist and to go to the Hamburg College of Art. They were, in fact, engaged to be married, but Stu died before that ever happened, of a brain hemorrhage in April of 1962. Astrid rejoined the Beatles in 1964. She was actually a set photographer on the set of A Hard Day's Night. Oh. Did you know that? Yeah. And oh. um, she actually did marry in 1967 to Gibson Kemp, who was the drummer that replaced Ringo in Rory Storm <laughs> and the Hurricanes. And uh, that marriage lasted seven years. She was always referred she always referred to Stu as the love of her life. She was also an advisor for the film Backbeat and put out a few books of her own photography. Brilliant photographer. Yeah. Brilliant Do you have any of her oh, books? Oh, yeah. Those no, images I, are gorgeous, I, those early Beatles images. I don't, but the, 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 uh, the pictures that they show on the uh, Living in the Material World documentary um, early on, you know, especially the ones after, you know, when they came back after Stu died, uh, those really personal, heartfelt, you know, photos yeah. Were yeah. really yeah. Uh, captured the moment for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, she had uh, a few books, including When We Was Fab and Hamburg Days, which she collaborated on with Klaus. Astrid died last uh, Tuesday at the age of 81. Uh, eight days short of her 82nd birthday. All right. Mm. I have a few quotes to read from uh, various people in the Beatle world. Ringo says, God bless Astrid, a beautiful human <laughs> being. Bill Harry said, could hardly believe the terrible news that Astrid has passed away. The awful times seem to produce a daily tragedy. She will be joining Stuart. Pete Best says, Absolutely stunned to hear the news of Astrid passing. God bless you, love. We shared some wonderful memories and the most amazing fun times. Condolences to family and friends. And Mark Lewison wrote, Danke, Shane, Astrid Kirscher. Intelligent, inspirational, innovative, daring, artistic, aware, beautiful, smart, loving, and uplifting friend to many. Her hey. gift to the Beatles was immeasurable. She died in Hamburg. Um a few days before turning 82. Well, eight days before that. Olivia Harrison wrote, Dear Astrid, just yesterday I held your Christmas card, stood for some moments with it in my hand and communed with you. Addressed in gold ink, always a gold star floating on a red envelope. I wondered how you were, then sent you imaginary flowers. Astrid is and was the sweetest woman, 
so thoughtful and kind and talented with an eye to capture a soul. Our family loved her and none more than George. I am truly saddened but honored to have known her. Very nice words from her. And Danny Harrison says, Dearest Astrid, I really wish I could have spent more time with you in this life. You were always so kind and loving towards me. May God bless you always. Now, I haven't read anything from Paul yet. Although, did no. you come across something, Tom? I thought you were. No, I haven't seen anything. But yeah, I, I thought we had saw something. But I think it ended up being a, you know, a phony message or, or Twitter. Um, yeah, so, it wasn't as official. It, yeah. it, it looked yeah. like an official account, and it turned out it, it wasn't. But I, yeah. I just want to say I, I think Mark Lewison really nailed it um, mm -hmm. in his tribute um, that I, I think she was kind of ahead of her time. You know, she she was such a a modern, you know, kind of kind of woman. I mean, I think if if, you know, she had been born, I don't know, maybe 10 or so years later, I think she could have gotten a lot farther as, as a photographer. You know, I think in, in uh, her day was harder for a woman. To, to really make mm. it in, in the business. I mean, that she talked about that in various interviews, that it was just really hard for a female photographer to be taken seriously. I mean, Linda McCartney probably would have been able to talk about that as yeah. well. Sure. Um, yeah, but, uh, but I, I just wanted to quickly share one memory that um, when she came to Beetlefest Chicago um, in the late 90s, I think, I will never forget... Um, I mean, the, the anticipation was just incredible because, I mean, she was mm. such an iconic, legendary figure, you know, in, in the Beatles story. And when she walked on the stage in the main ballroom, you could hear a pin drop. Mm. And I had mm. never, I can't remember any other guest eliciting that kind of reaction. And when she walked on, she was just as you would imagine her. I mean, she was in all black, the, the, the same haircut, uh, the almost like beetle boots, you know, the Cuban heels. <laughs> and I mean, it was, I mean, just as you would picture her. And she walked on stage. And as I said, you could hear a pin drop. And then of course, everybody erupted into applause. And, and she graciously answered everybody's questions. She was just a, uh, you know, just a, such a, you know, absolutely well, gracious. She, that's how I would hmm. describe her. She was just a gracious, nice person. I think she was very classy. Yes. You know, she wasn't, she, one of those, she wasn't one of those people who would put out a gossipy book on the Beatles. She didn't try hmm. to cash in so much. She didn't make that much money to begin with <laughs> on right. the Beatles. So, um, yeah. And she could she figure, Oh, easily. Yeah. You know. Oh, could you imagine the story she could tell? Probably, mm -hmm. in a book. That's right. <laughs> but uh, great photography work. I love looking at it. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And uh, one of our viewers, and I actually know him personally. Hi, Aviv. Uh, he said one of the very few individuals to open the Beatles up to thinking artistically. I think that could be argued. Yeah, definitely. That he, uh, she, and the other exes, as they were called. Yeah, definitely yeah. opened the Beatles up art artistically very early on. Absolutely. Right. Klaus mm -hmm. Foreman is just like that. Class yeah. all the way. Never says an unkind word. Doesn't cash in on the Beatles. You know, it's they're really priceless. Those people from the Hamburg days. Right. Those those three. Absolutely. Yeah. And they were there the whole time. Really, they all all the way to the present. Really, especially Klaus. Yeah, and Jurgen yeah. is still with us. Thank God. Right. So it's it's, it's a shame that this uh, circle is is starting to shrink more and more every year. You know. <laughs> It's, it's shrunk quite a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Unfortunately. 
And then we also have to talk about the death of Little Richard. This is what happens when you do a show every two weeks. So much accumulates. And uh, we all know he was one of the most important figures ever in the history of rock and roll. A pioneer, an architect, one of the biggest influences on the Beatles, along with... Chuck Berry, Buddy Holly, Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, those people, the Everly Brothers, Jerry Lee, Fats Domino, key figure. And, of course, the Beatles covered a lot of his music, Paul's screaming voice. He got that from Little Richard. You could say that, um, you know, it's often been looked at uh, the song I'm Down as being very similar to Long Tall Sally. The Beatles wanted to write a song that was similar in style to Long Tall Sally to close their concerts. So Paul wrote that one. So they covered so much of his music in the early years um, on BBC Radio, of course, for their catalog for EMI and even in their solo careers. So he was definitely one of the biggest influences on the Beatles. And I could read this one quote from Paul, which I thought was really nice. From Tutti Fruity to Long Tall Sally to Good Golly and Miss Molly to Lucille, Little Richard came screaming into my life when I was a teenager. I owe a lot of what I do to Little Richard and his style, and he knew it. He would say, I taught Paul everything he knows. I had to admit he was right. In the early days of the Beatles, we played with Richard in Hamburg and got to know him. He would let us hang out in his dressing room, and we were witness to his pre-show rituals. With his head under a towel over a bowl of steaming hot water, he would suddenly <laughs> lift his head up to the mirror and say, I can't help it because I'm so beautiful. And, <laughs> and he was. Okay. And there were a couple of shows. Uh, this is before Little Richard was with the Beatles in Hamburg, where um, he was on the same bill with the Beatles mm-hmm. in England. Um, mm. The Empire Theater in Liverpool was one of them, and I have it written down somewhere. The Tower Ballroom in Brighton, in New Brighton, um, and that was in October of '62. And then Hamburg followed right after that. So, mm. guys, want to say anything about Little Richard? Well, I think it was a beautiful. That's a really beautiful tribute by Paul. I think it says it all, and it's so respectful. And uh, when when you see that photo that. Uh, Tom held up a little while when the Beatles were meeting him. They looked so like yeah. elated. You know, this is their hero. Uh-huh. Just as we might be if we saw the Beatles at the Beatles, you know, they, that they were fans too, you know, and early on of these people. Love that that picture. And um big little little Richard fan as far as the fifties uh guys go. You know, um I have three of his early albums and uh you know, he he was around a long time and uh I love his enthusiasm energy he's always good in interviews if you see him in interviews oh yeah he's he's a delight to watch you know, oh, if you never, just, check it out if really people good have ones it out on there. youtube yeah. you know yeah. he's, a, he's a lot of fun yeah so yeah yeah definitely a, a huge inspiration on paul i know paul you know covered his music you know a lot throughout his career you know brought it out on live performances um you know he's um, of all the 50 acts that, um, that in- inspired, uh, you know, in the, you know, the Beatles as, as, as musicians, you know, he's the one that I, I enjoy listening to the most. Uh, I never get tired of his, uh, you know, very upbeat, flamboyant, you know, uh, singing style. I mean, it's great. I love the, you know, everything about his music, the horns, you know, I, it's just, it's just fun, fun rock and roll. And, um, you know, he, he'll be missed for sure. But we still have his music here, and uh, I'm going to keep on treasuring it. 
It just I, so uh, happens. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm no, I was going to say. Go ahead. Oh. <laughs> or let me. That what did, oh, I'm sorry. What did you say? No, I, I just found, I just remembered I have this book here in my den from Michael Hill, who is mm. one of John Lennon's um, friends throughout his teenage years. And the biggest story he tells in this book is that um, John and his friends like Pete Schotten used to go over to his house and listen to a lot of uh, early rock and roll over there. And he said that Long Tall Sally, Little Richard's version, changed his life. It was a very mm. important moment because prior to that, he loved 50s rock and roll. But according to what Michael says, it was only when he heard Little Richard do that song that he started thinking, I'd like to do this myself and form a band. Mm -hmm. So I just remembered I had the book here. Wow. <laughs> well, so, I think, I think Mark book. Lewison yeah. talked about that and tune in a little bit too, about Long Tall Sally, mm. maybe like between Elvis now and Little, little Richard, you know, for John. Yeah. John was like, well, you know, this Long Tall Sally is... Is captivating me now, you know. John actually well, said to to his friends, he he never knew a black man could sing like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I think Little Richard absolutely. In fact, I I have uh, one of our viewers who I also know, Hi Peggy, said Little Richard was groundbreaking. He was um, absolutely. He broke through a lot of racial barriers, and um, you know, I I talked on a local Chicago uh, radio show about him and, and said when uh, he came out with Tutti Frutti and said wop up loop up wop bam boom I mean it was more than just you know nonsense syllables I mean it was almost like a battle cry I mean when he said that and you shouted that I mean it came right out at you the speakers and and just you um, and uh, and it was kind of the beginning of a, of a yeah. new revolution rock and roll and uh, yeah. and he, it's just what a you know there just aren't aren't many left of, of that yeah. that you know the people that broke down the doors and and uh, created a help create a new genre. You know, when I did a video on Little Richard's uh, passing, a couple of people in the comments brought up uh, somebody who I'd never heard of, who supposedly influenced Little Richard, uh, Escarita or something like that. If I'm saying the name right. Is one hmm. name somebody might know the name, but. E-S-Q-U-E-R-I-T-A, Escarita, the look, had the look, Little Richard's look, too. So I I don't know. The influences go way back, don't they? They pass yeah. on. Oh, yeah. You know? Everybody's influenced mm -hmm. by someone else. Right. You know, weren't they, weren't they um, recording during the White Album and they found out that uh, The Girl Can't Help It was on, so they took a break yep. from recording <laughs> to go, go watch the film that was... and then went back to the studio? They recorded Birthday that day. They started yeah. working on birthday, right. and then they went back right. to Paul's house and watched the girl can't watched, help it. And then they finished yeah. the song after that. They went back <laughs> to Abbey Road Studios and finished mm. up birthday that day. Yep, that's true. Mm. But so many great performances from the Beatles through the years. I mean, I love John's version of Slipping and Sliding. Right. Uh, the concert yeah, in Campuchia where Paul did Lucille. That's so, oh God, that's one of the great yeah, live oh, yeah. moments from Paul's solo career. He's had many of them. I love that. Mm -hmm. You know, <laughs> so much. But uh, yeah, another great tell. I'm just grateful that, you know, so many of these icons in the 50s really did live a long life. You know, Little Richard, I think, yeah. was 86. Fats Domino was 90. Um, wow. Chuck Berry was 90. Listen, you know, yeah. You know, God yeah. bless him. You know, Jerry Lee Lewis is, is still. Uh, 
He yeah, is the last man little... standing, practically. Yeah. Um, yeah, literally, yeah. yeah. And uh, Don Everly is still alive from the Everly Brothers, and um, mm -hmm. not too many others from, no. from the 50s, but, um, you know, Dion DiMucci <laughs> is mm -hmm. still with us, people like that. Anyway, in other news, in our last show, we heard about an unreleased song written by Paul and Ringo called Angel in Disguise that is being auctioned off. Actually, now it's tomorrow. At Omega Auctions, a cassette was given to UK radio legend Tony Prince back in 1992 from Paul's company, MPL, which contains Paul's demo of the song, plus a fully produced version with Ringo singing lead and a recording of Ringo's called Everyone Wins, which he ended up releasing. Angel in Disguise is from the session. The sessions for uh, Time Takes Time, Ringo's album. A video actually popped up online with someone showing the envelope given to Tony Prince, reading the letter from MPL, and that person then played a short snippet of the song off a cassette player. And this was Paul's demo of it. So we do have a few seconds of the song online that you can hear of it. I put it up on Facebook. The song is expected to fetch 20,000 pounds. And 25% of the sales will go to NHS charities together, COVID-19 urgent appeal. So again, that's happening tomorrow. We'll right. see if the full versions of both the demo from Paul and Ringo's recording. Yeah, I really don't want to I don't want really want to cast judgment on it until I hear all of Paul's and and what and what Ringo was able to do yeah, with it. Yeah, kid, as well. what did you right. think of that little snippet? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, kind of bring the contrast in a little bit. That's, I think, that's my job. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. As I, 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 I said to the guys, I'm like, yeah, it, it didn't grab me. It didn't grab me either. <laughs> it really I, didn't, didn't grab me. But admittedly, you know, we, yeah, it's not a full song. It right. isn't a full song. Right. You're right. That's what so I always well, say. Wait till you hear the whole thing. Wait till you become mm -hmm. familiar with it. Then say how mm -hmm. you feel. So the, mm -hmm. the, the, the piano bit at the beginning kind of, I don't know, since it wasn't used, kind of feels a little bit like uh, a demon dance to me that one of the, uh, you know, uh, you know, from songs new. from that were from new. Yeah. yeah one of the bonus yeah. tracks from new. So if you know, listen to that first, uh, you know, couple piano bars and then listen to the beginning of uh, demon dance and see what you think. Very I nice. might have I'll only have played demon that. dance one time when I, I love the, I love new. Right. But uh, yeah. some of the bonus tracks, I mean, I like some of them, like Get Me uh, Get Me Out of Here. I think I don't want to go into right. a whole new thing, but <laughs> yeah. I don't, Demon Dance is one that I, that I don't really uh, recall very well. No, oh, I do. That Fair one enough. and yeah. Hell to Pay. Hell, hell, hell to Pay. pay yeah, hell right. to Pay, yeah. I, re I, I right. remember it. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. More news on May the 5th. Cheryl Crow appeared on Stephen Colbert's show remotely obviously. And from her home, she performed George Harrison's Beware of Darkness, just her alone on the piano. And I have to say, it really was beautiful, her version. That was gorgeous. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Cheryl's latest album, Threads, has her cover of Beware of Darkness and Eric Clapton's on it, as well as Sting and Belinda Carlisle. Um, really, a most appropriate song <laughs> for the times <laughs> we're living in right now, Beware of Darkness. Mm. Uh, Billy J. Kramer, gave a live streaming concert last weekend, performing many of his hits from the 60s, several of which were Lennon-McCartney songs, plus some of his newer material and many of his favorite 50s rockers. Uh, you can now pre-order Bruce Spicer's upcoming book called The Beatles Finally Let It Be, 
like Bruce's previous anniversary books for Beatles albums. This one also includes contributions from Bill King, Al Sussman, Frank Daniels, and Pierce Hemmingson. The book is due out September the 4th, but is subject uh, to being postponed, as we know, <laughs> from COVID-19. Just found out right before this show that Abbey Road on the River will hold a live streaming event for Memorial Day weekend, May 23rd through the 25th. The uh, previously announced uh, dates, they were, pre uh, they were going to postpone the event from May until October. Um, and they're still planning on doing one in October at the moment. But um, the live events uh, on, online, um, the streaming event will be on their website, which is abotr.com, and also on their Facebook page. There'll be 10 hours of tribute bands from around the world performing. Mm. Okay. And some cancellations to announce the International Beatles Convention, which takes place every year in Liverpool at the end of August, has been canceled. And Danny Harrison mm. announced on his Facebook page that Jeff Lynn's ELO tour of the UK that was due to start in November has also been canceled. Darn it. Okay, so still more cancellations and even late in the year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's uh it's it's surprise it's gonna be interesting, you know, since I worked a lot of concerts, you know, the last five years uh and got to meet a lot of people. I mean it's it's really gonna be interesting to see how they're gonna be able to the you know to, to put concerts back on, seeing that there's so many different companies involved in whether it's 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 trucking or busing or, or catering or whatnot. I'm just so many different companies involved um, with, with these shows. And, and is it even going to be worth it if you can only have, you know, 2000 people in a 20,000 arena seat, you know, I mean, is it, is it worth it for the artist? I mean, the, the, you know, the owners of the, of the arena aren't going to make any money if you do it that way. I mean, it's right. just so many different uh, aspects to look at to, to putting concerts back on. And it's, it's, you know, it's going to be interesting for sure. Well, you know, Tom, um, in the last few days, I have heard that something new has been developing, which mm. is that um, there's about 400 drive-in movie theaters in the right, country. Right, right, right. And they're looking to start bringing concerts there. And in right. fact, this Saturday in New Hampshire, Chasm Sultan, who's part of Todd mm. Rundgren's band, part of the band Utopia, he's giving a concert, and it's also going to be streamed live. So, and some, uh, some theaters, some venues are looking to do streaming events. Spence, and asking, right, and that's yeah, yeah, and that's what I was going to suggest too. Is I I can see you know a band go you know playing in a in a like a, maybe a Madison Square Garden and and doing it pay per view or style or something like that or mm. or stream it you know, uh, and then maybe have a couple people in the audience. Uh, but other than that, you know, you, you're not going to see, you know, the big festivals, you know, where everybody are crammed in like sardines, you know, for a while. I don't think. Right. Yeah. Just have to wait and see how this all plays out. Right. Yeah. Yep. So that's all the news. All okay. right. All right. Thank you very much, Ken. And well, as, as uh, you can all see, this is going to be a, a slightly supersized episode tonight because we had so <laughs> much to so much to cover. So uh, so thank you all for uh, hanging in with us. And uh, in just a few minutes, we are going to get to our main topic. But before we get to that, um, we just want to uh, take a few minutes here to acknowledge uh, two milestones that uh, we're celebrating uh, with two of our colleagues here. First off, um, Joe announced uh, 
just a couple of days ago, I think it was, uh, he, he uh, posted <laughs> exactly. a video. And I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just mentioned it in passing in one of my videos. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, very sneaky, Joe, but, you know, I keep up, I keep up with these yeah, things. Yeah, I know you saw it. And yeah. so not, not going to let it pass. So, uh, so Joe mentioned in, uh, in a video on his channel the other day that he, this month, is celebrating eight years of being on YouTube, eight years. Yay. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I mean, Seem, seems longer. The only thing really uh, worth noting about it is the eight days a week symbolism. Eight. That's the only reason. It's not. You <laughs> there know, you go. It's, it's not ten. Or, you know, ten years would be Bigger something bit. I'd yeah. be more happy about. But mm -hmm. thanks for thanks for acknowledging it and noticing it, uh, Kit. Well, I mean, that's pretty remarkable for, you know, for YouTube. I mean, you know, so many people, um, you know, just start YouTube channels and abandon them and, you know, or, or oh, just post true. haphazardly. Yeah, I mean, lot, seriously. And, and yeah. And so, I mean, to keep it up continuously for, for eight years, I mean, that's a really quite an achievement. So I definitely did not want, want to let that go without, you know, mentioning it. So, yeah, um, yep. Absolutely. So everybody, if you, you haven't already, um, definitely, um, you know, subscribe to his channel. And so, oh, yes, you've got some congratulations here from Laura Frost. Well, eight years on YouTube. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Thank Jeremy, you. Con congratulations to Mr. Mayo, a scholar and a gentleman. That is yeah, very my true. man, Jeremy. What would I do without you? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll have uh, your check Robert in the mail. <laughs> uh, Robert Marshall, congratulations, Thank Joe, you. and from Tom Green, congratulations, oh, wow. Mean. All right, so yes, quite quite just, an achievement. I have a question for Joe. Uh oh, all right. Were there were there other people who were doing this before you talking about the Beatles? Oh, uh, uh, well, as, uh, on a regular basis on YouTube. It basically started out as a, a vinyl collector's channel, really. I just joined. Okay. I started collecting vinyl again, and I was into that. And, you know, everybody's showing what they've got and everything. And then, I, you know, of course, my main focus is on Beatles, solo Beatles. So I started going into a lot of that. Uh, well, there, there were people doing it before, I think, you know, here and there. Um, and since since then, there, there have been a lot, actually, quite oh, a yeah. few people that are doing it. A lot of good people out there. Uh, Beatle Brad of... Uh, you know, Matthew Street, you know, <laughs> Beetle Vinyl 85, Not Marvin right. G. He sometimes pops on here. Uh, I know I'm forgetting a lot of people, but uh, a Beetleful Life, Beetleful Life, ja Jackie, yeah, Jackie. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you know, there were, there were, there were many people, okay, mm -hmm. too many people. <laughs> you can never have too many people, <laughs> never can have too many people doing Beatles, too yep. many hmm. people. <laughs> And, uh, and oh, and um, oh yes, we know Mark. Mark, Mark P. P. Hey, Mark is a, yep, P. Yeah, he said, Joe inspired me to start my own channel. Let me so, let me say something about Mark right. P. Really, really quickly. He was doing a really cool feature. Check out he has a channel, Mark P. Check that channel out because on YouTube. Because he has a really interesting feature. He started doing all the Beatles albums, uh, rating them with song by song with his with his wife. And seeing how they their opinions stack up. Now he just started doing the solo albums, beginning with Sentimental Journey, Ringo's right. album. Oh, nice! So the two of them oh, weigh wow. in on that, and it's fun yeah. to, to hear, hear their opinions on the songs, and they go That's back right. and forth. Hmm. Yep. 
Wow. So, yep. so you've, in, you've inspired a lot of people. And, uh, and we also want to thank all the, you know, you mentioned a number of other YouTubers who've been very supportive of us too. So thank you to, to all of them. We're, you know, as a, as a foursome, we're new to the YouTube community. So thank you. Thank you for, for supporting us. And we support all of you. So, uh, so congratulations, Joe. That is really, that's a, that's a remarkable achievement. So yeah. the other thing right. we're celebrating tonight is uh, Ken uh, is celebrating, and I, I mean, this is really also remarkable, your 2,000th broadcast. 2,000th. <laughs> <laughs> On the Beatles. <laughs> On the yeah. Beatles. And, yeah. and that is counting uh, every little thing, uh, things we said today. Sure. Are you counting Talk More Talk, too? Or, or sure, is this... of course. Yeah, yeah, Talk More Talk. I mean, everything. <laughs> I, I want to make sure you're counting everything. I mean, two thousand broadcasts. Yes, I mean, that that is remarkable. So we're we're just going to take a, a couple minutes here to so yes, let's let's uh, let's applaud. So I mean, you know, <laughs> as as I've you know I mentioned, we Thank all you, mentioned Phillip. many times that that he is really uh, Ken is is just a fixture in the Beatles community. So we're we're just going to take a a couple of minutes here to uh, to just uh, ask him uh, about his you know. This this achievement and his long uh, career. So, uh, right. so Tom, you you've been following him for well, both you and Joe have been following him for a long time. But, uh, well, yeah. but Tom, what? what do yeah. You, so, uh, um, thanks, thanks, Kit. And I haven't been following him as, as as long as some people have, but um, thankfully I am now. Um, I remember uh, discovering uh, things we said back in 2012 when it was just uh, Ken and, and uh, Steve Michael, or yeah, uh, Steve Mar sorry, Steve Mariucci, and uh, just just being and you know intrigued by their their conversations and and then you know you know especially when they wouldn't agree on something. I mean, those were a lot of fun <laughs> conversations listening, especially when they would talk about Magical Mystery Tour. You know, <laughs> that's the one thing there. everybody brings up. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> But the, but seeing that I think that was the show I think it was episode nine or something where I was introduced to that show and because of the because of that chat you know that's what um, you know uh, made me continue to listen and I've told you before you know that show was you know inspired uh, you know my, my cousin and I to do our two leg show so I want to thank you very much for that I also want to thank welcome. you for you know your radio show every little thing because you know I consider myself a, a you know Paul McCartney diehard but because of your show I learned about you know the song all of me on old, on old sock i learned yeah. about uh i learned about out of sight from the bloody beetroots you know i learned about uh the the um let's see what's paul what does paul do on here he does it's so easy on the Ravon buddy holly mm -hmm. you know so because of all of these different uh, you know because you play every little thing you know i learned about uh, all of those songs thanks to your show so again i want to thank you for that but um the one thing i do want to mm -hmm. talk to you about is your 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 syndicated show and and you know how do you put that together how long does that take you to do and and the, about the the you know the right you know the trademark rights so, you know i mean are you, do you have are you you know only allowed to play a certain amount of you know category you know beatles and whatnot and how do you right. treat that yeah well that's a loaded question there's a lot to tackle yeah, there, I know. But, uh... <laughs> You know, every little thing, the syndicated show takes longer than anything else that I do. It takes several days yeah. a week, probably about four days a week to write a script, to produce it, to time it out. Um, and my show, for, any, for anyone that doesn't know every little thing, which really is the bulk of my career, it's, it, uh, it accounts for 
60% of these 2000 shows that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I've been doing it since March of 1982. And I think one of the biggest influences on my life has been the um, the reference book Altogether Now from Wally Pedrazic and Harry Castleman. Right. Because when that book came out, which was the end of 1975, it covered the Beatles, it covered their solo careers, it covered songs that they wrote for other people, it covered uh, the original versions of songs that the Beatles covered. It, um, it included everything, really, and side projects from the Beatles, music that was on Apple Records, you know, mm. everything. So to me, I always looked at that as being the Beatles catalog. I've never looked at it as this is the Beatles, this is the solo, they're two separate things. It's anything that any of the four of them have done creatively is part of their catalog. You are your resume, you know, right. and everything that they've done amounts to, you know, who they are and what they've achieved. And so every little thing is a mixture of all that stuff you will hear, plus thematic sets, interviews that I've done trivia i've probably done more trivia on the radio than anybody yeah. and i still continue to do it on my website but i've been doing the syndicated show since 2011 there was a, okay. a company out of queens that kind of kick-started it for syndication they were kind of known really for doing one-shot programs um these would be shows that would be like say it's a bob dylan special for a new box set that came out but it was for one thing it wasn't an ongoing mm. series. They weren't really mm -hmm. used to handling a show like that. So they lost interest in working with the show, and then I had to work with it. So in my spare time, I try to get more stations to pick it up. So oh, it's cool. a one-hour show. There are limitations because there's something called the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. This is going to bore some people, but I'll try to make this brief. <laughs> this is a law that was... It was enacted in 1999, I believe, and it only pertains to streaming radio. Not what you hear on your FM dial or AM dial, but you're not permitted to play more than four songs from the same artist within three hours. So that means, that means in my one-hour Beatles show, you can't hear more than, one, more than four Beatles songs. But you can hear four solo John, four solo Paul. Right. You know, you could hear four traveling Wilburys if you want. You can hear cover versions of Beatles songs and everything else that I mentioned. So that's all put into my my one hour syndicated show. And um, you know, it's the radio stations pick it up. They're the ones that are responsible for broadcasting it. Anything they have to pay for broadcasting the songs, that's all handled by the radio stations. I just provide the content. So gotcha. um, I now have 40 stations that, that, uh, car that uh, carry the show. And I never mentioned this on the show before, but um, well over a year ago, the American Forces Radio Network, which broadcast uh, programs overseas to our troops in Europe and Asia and Japan and South Korea, they picked up my show. Oh, and cool. So nice. I only yeah. listen to it on an app. But, um, yeah, so they, they have the show and uh, the United DJs channel that I brought up, I think, here on this show. Right. That came out of the U.K. from Tony Prince, who I've mentioned here on this program. He started this channel, which has DJs from all over the world, legendary ones. And they bring their own programming to that station and you can stream it. And they carry my show as well. And that's quite an honor for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's, that's it in great. a nutshell. 
Cool. Yeah, cool. Um, you know, you also do interviews on there. You know, talk about uh, real quick. You know, the interview process. I mean, do you try to seek out these these the, the people, or do people contact you sometimes to do interviews as well? And and um and obviously you try to get them on on the show as whenever you can as well. Most of them, I I have to contact myself. The mm-hmm. ones that contact me are usually the authors when they have a mm-hmm. new book out. So they, they go through the whole Beatles circuit. They find out all the Beatles podcasts and they try to contact mm-hmm. them. And so <laughs> I get to interview them that way. Yep. You know, um, <laughs> we're all in the same circles here. So mm-hmm. the authors usually contact me. Um, sometimes I find out about a new Beatle book and then I try to find out who, you know, who the author is, who the publisher is, I contact them. But if it's someone that's a musician or someone that has worked with any of the Beatles, I have to contact them. But you know, one great thing because of right. Facebook, I mean, you can contact these people right. that, that are complete strangers to you and mm-hmm. they write back to you mm-hmm. in some cases. So, yeah. um, you know, it all comes down to how much free time I have during the week because right. it's divided between the syndicated show up until recently, the live broadcast of every little thing, which hopefully will be back on the air soon when the pandemic is over. And then I have things we said today and I have to edit that show. Right. Every time we do that. And then I have this show. So it's pretty busy. Plus, uh, I have another yeah. job, too, to pay the bills. <laughs> and, and, and I have something called a family. And the, right, somehow, exactly. I, right. somehow I cram that in, too. Oh, but, it's uh, a struggle. Man. It's a struggle. Yeah. Yeah, but, really. you know, but before I started listening to the things we said today, I own three Beatle books. And now because of, you know, you interviewing so many authors through the years and then, you know, myself as well, I, it's, it's over, it's well over a hundred now. So thank you for making me buy more shelves and, <laughs> and all that stuff. So it's an expensive wow. habit. Yeah. Yes. But you know, wow. when, when we started doing things we said today, and I remember talking to Steve Marinucci about this, there was a time when we had a lot of shows in a row that were just authors and there were yeah. so many really good books exactly. coming out. Exactly. And yeah. a lot of it is because it's self-published. So the authors don't have to kowtow to what the publisher wants. They could do right. whatever they want. It's usually yep. limited copies and they sell it themselves and you get quality stuff that way. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't mind interviewing all these authors because so many of them do just fine work. Exactly. And, um, you know, we're living at a time when you've got the Mark Lewisons of the world and, uh, you know, God bless all these authors who are putting out really good, good product. Mm-hmm. All right. Right on. <laughs> right on. Ken. And um, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just going to jump in. Cause actually you, you asked a question, Tom, that, that perfectly segues into what I was going to ask. So uh, I'm just going to jump, jump in with mine, which is what, you know, you've done so many interviews, Ken, what, what is, you know, of all the interviews you've done, are there, you know, is there one that really sticks out for you as one of your most memorable interviews that, that you've ever done? I got to say Ringo. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been fortunate to interview Ringo three times. Each time was a short interview, but it's Ringo. <laughs> so <laughs> it doesn't matter. And um, the first time that I interviewed him, I wanted to bring up his songwriting, which I tend to bring up in, every, in the three times that I interviewed him. And he was very happy that I brought it up. And... Um, you know, because he's not asked about that. He's only asked right. about the Beatles and his new album and maybe a few of his core hits and that's it. So uh, I just, just knowing that he enjoyed the fact that I brought up the songwriting 
And in the last interview that I did with him, which was when Postcards from Paradise came right, out, it was that. specifically yeah. about that. And right. you could hear it in his voice. There was an enthusiasm there, yeah. but it wasn't the same old typical questions. So right. I have to say Ringo has to be first. Um, there's so many others that I, I really feel blessed to have interviewed. Denny Sywell is a fantastic interview. All yes. the times I've interviewed Lawrence Juber, he's been wonderful. Everybody from Wings. I only interviewed Henry McCullough once, but now I feel I'm very lucky that I got to interview Henry. Yeah. Uh, Steve Holly has yeah. been fantastic. Um, Gary Van Syok, uh, so Carl Perkins is probably the nicest person that I ever met in my whole life. You know, he would make you feel like gold if all you knew was blue suede shoes. <laughs> he was that nice. Wow. I'll tell you this one story, though, about Carl Perkins. Um, I saw there was a show on Long Island at, you know, it's called then the Westbury Music Fair. It was an oldie show, and he was on the same bill with Roy Orbison. And I had already interviewed Carl a couple of times. And I went to the front desk and asked if I could speak to Carl not knowing if he'd remember me at all. And he eventually came out. We went back into the parking lot, into his van. We sat down in the front seats. He reached over into his glove compartment. He took out this folder, which read Carl Perkins Fan Club. And all four Beatles signatures were on it. Wow. Wow. And he carried that with him. When he I would have had that door. in a safety deposit. So, yeah. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, he said to me, yeah, you're from that New Jersey station, right? You know, you remember me oh, wow. from being on, you know, in, in New Jersey. I was on WDHA for 10 years in a row yeah. from 1983 oh. through 1993. That's how I but remember he was, you. He's, he's so sweet. He really was. Carl Perkins is a gem. Mm. Wow. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah. Well, wow. That's an interesting. So, I mean, uh, he mentioned WDHA. That's what I was going to say. That's what I, I've, I've said this before, Ken. That's when I first uh, heard Ken Michaels. I used to listen to his his, his, his show uh, in from New Jersey, and that was like 1985. I think I started, and I remember like him playing like a special version of Spies Like Us. I'd heard uh, a longer, a little longer version. Maybe it was. A twelve-inch or something version, I don't uh, remember. But uh, and then I remember when uh, you had Cloud Nine was like George's big, big so-called comeback album, you know, and it was so successful, and that was that was always a thrill. But I used to like to win a lot of prizes because he had this thing called Super Beatles Montage or something, where you would play snippets of songs, and they weren't all Beatles. What I liked about it was there were solo Beatles snippets in there. So I always uh -huh. felt I had a little bit of an advantage because I thought being naive, I thought, well, maybe most of the people listening don't know the solo that well. Right. And I would, you get just a few seconds, and you'd have to sit with a pen and paper and jot down. <laughs> okay, that, what was that? That was, uh, you know, uh, things we said today. Okay, that was uh, unconsciousness rules, maybe or whatever the, the song I'm was. Sure. Some people you know. probably recorded those montages and they had to keep playing them back so they could figure out what the song was. <laughs> right. I, I, I got to win a, a yeah. few CDs and so, stuff like that are still in my collection for that. But, you know, Ken, I wanted to ask, ask you, though, while I have you. Um, now, people have been requesting songs on your show over the decades now or whatnot. Was there like a, a solo song request? Like somebody said, could you play such and such that really like struck you as like a, in a happy way? Like, wow, I'm glad they asked for that song. I didn't think anybody would usually would ask for All the for time. Song. All the time. Tom, right here. 
<laughs> oh well, Tom. Tom. Tom requested his name as legs on my show. You were you were you were you were doing a body part uh, theme. <laughs> yes, I was. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I <laughs> Do you notice when when we listen? When, you know, you've had a lot of different people listening, but over all that time, I, I, what about the, the the ages? Have you have you seen that there used to be more maybe younger people interested then, or or are there just as many younger people now interested? Although because we, we have social media now, so you're more aware of it. Maybe uh, is there any change in that from your experience? Or was it always always older people at first, or younger people? Uh, yeah, well, I would say probably most of my audience was from the 20s on up, but I always had a few teenagers in there that listened to me, and it's the same now in that regard. But I do, yeah, I do have an older audience, but um, the great thrill for me is playing a lot of this stuff that you won't hear on the radio, right. especially terrestrial radio. And um, anytime that I play something, especially from the solo careers of the Beatles, that's an album cut that you won't hear anywhere else. And I get a phone call or an email saying, what song was that? Right. That makes it all worthwhile for me. Yeah. The fact that Great. anyone's learning anything from my show. And, and especially if it's a young person, if they learn about the group, you know, it's all it's like I said, it's all one big body of work to me. It's like a big family tree. You know, <laughs> and uh, that's how I look at the whole thing. So as long as people learn from what I'm doing and, um, you know, the most important thing that I do on every little thing is play the music. Right. I don't analyze like I do here or on things we said today. I offer information about it. I let the public decide whether they like it or not. And most importantly, I will play anything. Yeah. Anything, you know, um, it's kind of difficult to play something that might be a whole side of electronic sound, you know, um, especially if your show is one hour long. Spooky or, weirdness. Uh, I've played spooky weirdness. <laughs> on Halloween on time. <laughs> yes, I will. Um, yeah, I'll play anything. And I, I think that by, um, you know, the public benefits when they can hear anything that they want to, when they can make up their minds themselves. I'm all for playing the hits. I'm all for playing songs that everybody knows, but you got to mix that with deeper cuts to make no, it I agree so much. Yeah. So that's, much. The, that's the best part about the show is, is for diehards just as much as it is for beginners. Yep. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You're talking about over a hundred albums now Yeah. to yeah. go through. That's a, yeah. a lifetime's worth of music to study. It really is. So I don't expect people to know all the solo music, but right. you know, there's always something. I, th I'm always in the mood for hearing something from them. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether mm -hmm. it's group or solo. When the catalog is right. that huge, I never get tired of it. So yeah, yep. Thank you, well, Robert. There's a thank, you, thank you to everyone. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I was just about to say there's a there's a great comment here that's a. Great way to end the segment saying, uh, Robert, Marcello, I've learned a lot about the solo Beatles songs from every little thing. Thank you, Ken. And there are yep. a lot of comments here. Thank, Thank you, guys. For Thanks to everyone. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, Ken, really, <laughs> I, it. I, think, I, really I think all of you, uh, all of us here owe you a big round, big big thanks for everything you've done for the Beatles community, for us authors, for, uh, you know, for, for a lot of people here. So, so congratulations on congratulations. Your, your 2000. Thank you. Yep. That's Thank a you guys. Yeah. 
There's and here's another, two, two thousand yep, more. <laughs> two thousand more, right on the yeah, absolutely same same wavelength here. Once <laughs> yeah, this show's over, can I crack a beer open for you and uh, celebrate? <laughs> okay, you do that. And that, folks, is our George Martin and Paul McCartney show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're out of time now. So. Yeah. No, we're good. We're good. We got. We have time. Yeah, yeah so that's we, funny. Uh, yeah. So as I said, this is our super size show because we just had too darn much to cover. We had so much yeah. news. We had so much, you know. So we are uh, now going to uh, get to our main topic, and uh, I'm sure all of you out there are going to have uh, a lot to say about it as well. Um, which is our favorite uh, Paul McCartney and George Martin collaborations. Now, as you all know. After the Beatles broke up, Paul, uh, Paul and George continued to work together on a number of projects, both with George Martin producing um, some of Paul's albums, but also uh, George would occasionally do some arrangements for yep. Paul. Hmm. So uh, what we decided to do was uh, each of us picked our top five uh, favorite collaborations. Now we are going to, we are opening this up um, to anything that the two worked on and not just productions uh you know could be arrangements could be all different things right. as always don't know what the others have picked out so uh so we are each going to share our favorites react to them and of course we want all of you out there to share your favorites uh we may not get to all of them on the air but after uh the broadcast is over we of course want you to share them in the comments uh whether you're watching uh the replay or on youtube um and uh, we read all of them so uh, so we definitely want to hear what you have to say so uh let's start with tom um mr two legs and uh the paul mccartney expert here i'm oh, very don't say curious that. don't say that <laughs> fan all right fan i guess I'm, anyways I'm, no i'm, I'm no, seriously i'm very yeah. curious to, to hear your pick so what oh, thank uh, you kit what are your mm -hmm. all right thank you you know i i, I just uh, it, this list could change tomorrow really you know just uh when I did the list, it was you know the songs that I was think that I was thinking about um, now. However, the, the the top three will always remain my top three: McCartney, George Martin uh, collaboration songs, tracks, whatever you want to call them. But uh, I, you know, lately um, I've been really listening to the uh, the demo version of uh, "We All Stand Together" that you can hear here on the Yogu Jubu um, uh, Ecology um, disc, and. And that version, you really, you really hear just more of Paul. Uh, you, you, it's, it's really stripped down. There's not really not a lot of orchestration. There's definitely not the the London uh, Gospel Community Choir on there, which uh, George Martin, um, you know, was was responsible for that for the, bringing them in. But it was also the first song they worked on together when they started up their that you know the the Paul and uh, and George team back in 1980. Uh, you know, not including uh, Live and Let Die back in '73. But you know, because of this you know, the song working so well, I, I really think that that was, this is the song that, that moved this uh, relationship forward. Um, I, I really, you know, I really enjoyed the, the final product, you know, the chorus and the, the orchestration was supervised by George Martin on this. And then, like I said, it, you know, that's this broken down roller version on the Equalology uh, Ubu Jubu uh, CD. I, I, you know, you really, that's where you really hear, you know, Paul's voice uh, more, but um, I, I love the, the finished product, uh, what, what George Martin was able to bring to that song. Um, next up, uh, again, another 
big collaboration between the two pipes of peace. Um, you know, I love all the, um, the beginning with the horns that sounded like there's a war going on, which, you know, you definitely get from the, from the video. Um, and definitely the song, you know, with the, with the piece, it's, it's my, definitely my favorite, uh, uh, song that has the word peace and all the four solo Beatles, Beatles. But, um, uh, you know, and George Martin was responsible for bringing in, uh, James Kippen on the tabla. Um, you know, the, you know, his work with, uh, you know, Adrian Bradford with the pan flute and the, uh, the, the other children's choir and uh, the pistoles, uh, Pizzolite, I can't pronounce it anyways, but, um, <laughs> but they're, anyways, they're a big part of, big part of that song. And, um, I really love, uh, the work that they, the two did on that, um, Three, uh, with the song that should have been a, a mega number one hit, No More Lonely Nights, um, the, the main version that you see with the video that accompanies with the video. Um, this is, I, th I just think, one of those songs that's, that's perfectly produced. Um, I, I mean, their, their working relationship at that time it was starting to come to an end. But um, it, it was just still so brilliant, some of the, the, the music that they were still working on. And um, again, I just, this is the one that I really enjoy listening to headphones because then, you know, you just press them close to your ear. You can hear a lot of the, the stuff that George brought to the table on that song, you know, because it's kind of a little bit buried with, you know, with the piano and Paul singing and, and uh, David Gilmore's guitar, but a lot of great work in that song. Um, next up is Wanderlust. Um, you know, it's just a, a beautiful song. Paul doesn't always let us into, you know, his personal affairs or life or whatever you want to call it. And when he does, um, it produces some of the, I think some of his best lyrics, uh, some of the best, uh, you know, instrumentation. Um, again, this is another perfectly produced, uh, song. Um, you know, Paul was hoping to get a uh, George Harrison solo on this, but it didn't work out. So George Martin suggested bringing in the uh, the Philip Jones Brass Ensemble, which I think was a really nice touch. Um, I really don't know if I could hear a, a George Harrison solo on this song, but um, I, I'd still like to hear it. But uh, I, I think yeah. it's perfect. I think it's perfect uh, as is. Um, and my favorite song uh, of those two was, was a song that I was introduced to Paul McCartney with, and that was Take It Away. Uh, so it is a little special to me um, in that regards. But uh, again, you know, just the way it was produced, I mean, all the instrumentation, how it all just comes in so perfectly together, especially with the horns, um, you know, and, and George also played on the track, electric piano. And um, again, it, to me, it's it's a perfect song. It's I love that uh, that box set that came out. I think in 2016 called Pure McCartney. Um, I just love that term, Pure McCartney, and you know it has a certain meaning to me. And and though and the, this song, Take It Away, is what something would I would define as as Pure McCartney. And uh, just because of, you know, the instrumentation, the production, uh, lyrics, uh, you know, especially backing vocals, because we still had Linda helping out with, the, you know, with the backing vocals at the time. And then just other people that he brings in to help him uh, throughout this period, great musicians uh, throughout this period helping uh, Paul. So um, those are my five. And, uh, you know, like I said, tomorrow it could be uh, a little different, but um, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, there are five songs that I cherish. So. Very good. Hard to argue with any of those. And, and um, you know, particularly when, when you mentioned Take It Away, one of the things that I think is uh, 
you know, really a, a signature of a George Martin production. Is I'm trying to think of how else to, to say it, but it's it's I hate to say it's very clean. I mean, but it is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. I don't mean it as a bad pun, but right. but really, I mean it. It is a you know his his production is so clean and crisp, and it right. really comes through on Take It Away. I I yeah. think like it's one of those that it's it'd be a great test of of your new stereo system. Oh, to good put that call. You know what that. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Very nice. I just want to also add that uh, this was probably Paul's most successful collaboration with any individual throughout his career. Um, and we can talk about the, the, you know, the chart performance on a lot of these songs and albums later on in the show. But, um, but just amazing work. I'm glad they got back together. I'm glad uh, Paul asked them to produce them again back in 1980. And uh, it, was, uh, it was a well, well done show. <laughs> you mean as a producer? Yeah, as, as a producer. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Great choices. Yep. Absolutely hard to argue. (laughs) No, absolutely not. Um, And actually, I'll go next because a number of mine that I picked real are are complement yours because um, I I picked some of the same ones you did. So I'm just going. Hmm. (laughs) I'm going to chime in. uh, Chime in with those. But uh, I actually picked. uh, tug of war <laughs> so oh. you pick pipes of peace so right. I, I guess I'll, that's a perfect compliment um, and uh, and actually a, a number of them that, that I picked uh, reflects another I, I think strength of George Martin was that he really knew how to create arrangements that tell a story you know because part of that's part of a song I, I think is you know to to help the lyrics you know, tell the story of the song and tug of war is a perfect example of that because, right. you know, Paul is, is, you know, Paul's lyrics are describing this, this story of, you know, the beginning of this, this you know, struggle, but then, you know, as the song progresses, he's expressing hope, you know, that, that in years to come that, that they will, you know, unnamed protagonist, you know, will resolve differences mm-hmm. and that, you know, will be soon enough for me. And, you know, but that in the meantime, there's still going to be a struggle. And George Martin's arrangement of, mm. of the strings, the way they, you know, start low and then in the hopeful sections, the way they go up, you know, the strings. Mm. And I mean, it's, it's just magnificent. Mm. I, I think, I mean, it really, you know, de- it really, um, representing you know the hope and then but then going back down at mm. the at the end i mean not in completely depressing way but <laughs> reflecting i mean you know not that completely depressing yeah i love but, that but, i love that ending of this of the song like you said with the way it just leaves yeah. you with that kind of feeling of like i don't know maybe bittersweet or something hope yes hmm. exactly yet, uh, we have exactly to wait kind it. of yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it kind of leaves you hanging a little bit, you know, is this, yeah. how is this going to end? And and I, I just think that is masterful. That mm. is masterful and perfectly complements uh, the lyrics. And it's it's just such a, a moving, moving song. Um, right. So um, another one now, I'm, I know some people are probably going to think I'm crazy mentioning this, but <laughs> I've always been a defender of the song so bad. Oh. I, I'm not saying it's I the love best. that song. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, thank, thank you. See Joe Winston. Best song on the, on the album. Yep. All right. Now, I'm not <laughs> saying it's a little too far. Time. 
Yeah, now, I'm not saying it's his all-time best lyrically, but I'm picking it because I think it's another case of, you know, it's, it's sort of the opposite of, of Tug of War, where it's a more simple production, you know, and it's an example of how I think George knows how to also, you know, use more simplicity in, in this, because this is just a, it's a simple love song, although he also knows how to showcase those lush harmonies that, mm. that uh, love so much in Wings and, uh, and then continued in his solo career. And the, the harmonies are just showcased so well in it. I love how, you know, George brings up the bass in it, mm. you know, to showcase Paul's bass playing. It, it's just, you know, it's just a great love song with a little, you know, little soul tinge uh, to it. And I think George knew when to hang back. And and not overload it too much with with you know overproduction. Um, so to me, that's always been just sort of a hidden gem in, in the catalog. Um, the uh, next one, No More Lonely Nights. <laughs> I, I picked that too. <laughs> yeah, great. I one of the best pop songs of the '80s, I I think. And uh, his again, George Martin's orchestration is is one of the big uh, features of it. Um, because again, it's 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 telling the story, um, you know, the way it starts out slow and quiet, and then how it explodes right. into the chords. The no no more lonely nights, you know. May there be you no know, there be another no more lonely nights. I mean, it's just, and even in the video when the fireworks go off and everything. Right. I mean, it just you know it fits the orchestration, and then it goes back down again when it's you know a little bit of a quieter mood. I mean, it's it's just a masterful arrangement that that um again uh fits the the lyrics and i think also george martin knew how to work in then the rock side you know mm. with david gilmore's guitar right. i mean it just fit in perfectly uh with the orchestration wonderlust is another uh favorite i like the broad street version of wonderlust actually oh, wow. okay. um, yeah, right. I kind of like that one a little better. Um, I, I enjoy because, it, but uh, t but to me, it's not a patch on the on the studio the talk of war version. But I do like know, the, the Broad Street one. Yeah, I mean, I've I've listened to both, and I'm just giving the slight edge to the Broad Street version only because I think George brought up the orchestration a little more in it, yeah. and uh, and it's just it, it's just a little more dramatic for me. Mm. I still can't believe that song is essentially about. Uh, Paul getting mad that he mad wasn't allowed to smoke pot on a boat. I mean, really? Really? Uh, I, I really had I mean, got to get you into my life ruined for me. For, yeah, that's it. For life. I mean, first time I heard it, I was like, this is so moving. I, I, I mean, I was brought to tears. I just thought, oh, this is beautiful. And I, really? It's about he was mad he couldn't smoke pot on a boat. But I anyway. how many of his songs are about that when you break <laughs> Starting okay. to wonder. But. Yeah, but but that aside, it's it's uh it's a, really it's such a dramatic song, and and George's orchestration, I mean, turns it into like it's like cinematic, right. you know, it's mm. it's it's just a masterpiece. Um, and uh, so as I said, slight edge to uh uh to the Broad Street version, and finally, some days. Um, oh, cool! You know, I was crossing my fingers. Yeah. Is there going to be one left? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that, but really, it's it's just a, a beautiful arrangement, and and again goes back to telling the story. You know that yeah. it starts out as a, a personal tale, uh, you know, about his own relationship, and then it kind of goes out to more of a general wish. You know, I um I 
you know, cry for those who fear the worst, you know, and then at the end of the song, it goes back to when he looks, you know, right. I look at you with eyes that shine. And, you know, so it goes from, you know, his personal relationship to a wish for the world and then back to, you know, and the, the orchestration kind of reflects that it, you know, it gets bigger and then gets smaller and then gets bigger. I mean, he just is masterful at that, at, at reflecting the, the lyrics, the tone of the lyrics in the orchestration. So those are my, my five picks for, you know, the, the collaborations that George Martin knows how to translate Paul's lyrics right. musically. Yeah, yeah, that was a great pick. Yeah, that's a very mm -hmm. good, good no, number one pick. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's interesting what you said oh. about the song Tug of War, because... The way that the the orchestra comes in at the end with the da 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 da, da and you hear the lines pushing and pulling, the conflict in life, and when you hear the that line da 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 da, it's actually ending in a minor key, and then by the time that it continues to go into take it away, it's in a major key. Mm. So that yeah. gives you a more of a positive feel right. to it. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting good you brought stuff, that up because I never really thought about that too much, but yeah. Yeah. Very good. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, Joe. How about you? Okay. Well, uh, I have I had seven. I had two just in case. So I was saving. <laughs> but out of, out of the five, um, three of them have been uh, already named. So at least it saves me the trouble having to go into the detail of what I like about it because I think Tom and Kit, you said it so well. Um, the first song, if I was going to put it as much as I could do in order of favorites, uh, has to be Wanderlust. Uh, for all the reasons that you said, that we talked about, and Ken was just echoing, so that, that'll save time, too. I love Wanderlust, and in fact, the whole Tug of War album, I want to say, I have three songs just from that album alone. I mean, I could still remember how thrilled I was hearing that the first time. Uh, when it first came out, it just it just hit the spot, and it was so well produced. It was it, the record sounded so good, the production on yeah. it, you know, uh, so vibrant and uh, just really, really, really effective. And that song in particular is is probably my favorite. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm I'm gonna stick with a tug of war album. I think for my other ones, I I also had uh, the the title the title you know the title track Wanderlust, those two Wanderlust and Tug of War. Did I, did I just say that? Yeah. I, I'm all mixed up. But whatever <laughs> I have, Wanderlust and Tug of War are on the song. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the title right. track are on there for all the reasons that was said. Okay, and Wanderlust also. But I put Ballroom Dancing on there also, and I have a funny feeling Ken might. I think he's really fond of that song too. So I'm just, <laughs> sorry if I if I picked one, but. I mean, what can you say? I mean, the horns, the, the you know, the granite feel of, of the thing, the show showpiece, showcase, uh, really big, a big song, you know, and um, I love it. So those those three right off the bat from the Tug of War album uh, are among my favorites. But some days, I was hoping I said, please, kid, don't mention some days. But, uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I just wanted to have something new, new to talk about. But uh, it's mm -hmm. it's much like it the same vein as like wanderlust or tug of war the song i mean you know right. uh, all that orchestration is really wonderful on there i was going to pick beautiful night but am i wrong in that and yeah. saying that i george martin did he work on that i'm not he sure he worked on the arrangement of it. 
Oh, you know, I wasn't yes. sure uh, for sure of that. When I was doing my research. I didn't didn't see his name mentioned too much, so I was like, well, maybe I won't put that on there. But bravo for that one too, as an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. So some days, yeah. uh, just gorgeous. I love that. I, I always say with that, you know, when people say, you know, Paul hasn't done anything really good since Band on the Run. You know, he had, of course he's done a lot good. You know, the whole Flaming Pie album is one of his best. Uh, but some days could have fit on. A white album, Revolver, or something like that. You could, I could hear that on one of those albums. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, along with a lot of other, you know, Calico Sky. So many of these things. Definitely so, Calico Skies, yeah. Yeah, it's it just, yeah. it just it, it's beautiful, beautiful to me. And I, I guess I'll be the first one to mention Live and Let Die. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. movie soundtrack and yeah. you know, all that sensationalism that goes along with it, and the action. It, it, it's perfectly realized. Uh, Great song, something of a classic, you know, by now. Other people have covered it and and whatnot. So I'll be the first to mention Live and Let Die. Those are my five. And yeah. uh, out of the two extras I had, one of them was Pipes of Peace. So, <laughs> and the other one I'm going to leave in case Ken mentions it. So. All right, cool. Yeah, right. Good, good job, Joe. Um, you know, you mentioned ballroom dancing. Um, and, you know, and just to get our other co-host, Ken, uh, Ken Womack, in here, let's uh, plug his uh, second volume of his uh, George Martin uh, bio. Um, what was it? Uh, Sound Pictures. Um, he talks mm-hmm. about um, that being one of George Martin's favorite songs to uh, work on. Um, and mm-hmm. also, let me add that, um, you know, check this book out because he'll also talk a lot about a ver- another very unsung hero of all of those recordings from the 80s, and that's his Air Studios. Um, you know, Ken or George. George, Michael, George Martin took a lot of pride into p- putting together a, a state-of-the-art, uh, you know, recording studio in, in London and then in um, Montserrat, and um, you know, it, it uh, was really a, a great con- a contributor to uh, to making these uh, albums sound as, as well as they as well as they did. Hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yep. I agree. Yeah. All right, Ken, bring it, bring it home. What, uh, <laughs> what are your choices? Bring it on bring home it to on me. Home. Let's go. That's right. <laughs> um, it's so tough. Like Tom said, this could change from day to day. Yeah. I mean, how do you pick when, when you're discussing tug of war, is, is the song tug of war a better production than ballroom dancing is or wanderlust right. or, or take it away? They're all brilliant. They're absolutely yeah. brilliant. So I put um, through our love. Nope. In there, in in my top five, um, it's one of my four wedding songs. I had one from each Beatle. Mm-hmm. I love everything about the song itself, but I love the production of it, the orchestration, how it builds up towards the end. Some people actually have gone to say that they think that song is overproduced. I don't think so. I think everything mm-hmm. was just right. Sounds very majestic at the end and the last verse. I love everything right. about through our love, you know. Um, no matter what five I pick here, there's always going to be others that could equally be in there. So Absolutely. I don't want anyone to think that yep. I'm omitting any of them for any reason. But I had to put Pipes of Peace in there uh, because of the entire arrangement of it. Working in, mm-hmm. like Tom said, with the horns, working tabla into it, the right. whole children's choir, which in a way reminds me very much of the arrangement of Those Were the Days with Mary Hopkin, in a way. Or maybe right. Happy Christmas, if you want. But um, yeah, the whole the whole production of Pipes of Peace is wonderful. Um, I did put We All Stand Together in there mm. because I think that it works so well for its purpose for an animated film. Yep. And when you're talking about orchestration and knowing 
the use of the instruments, the string instruments, the brass. George Martin is so skillful at doing that, and he's right. proven to be tailor-made for Paul McCartney's songs and his melodies. And, um, you know, everything about it is brilliant. You know, if, if you think that it's corny, that's up to you. For the purpose of an animated film for children, it's just like a Disney film. It's the same kind of production, and it worked perfectly. Um, I did have to include, Joe, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die still, to me, is one of the best of the solo Beatles singles. It's a great mm -hmm. song. The production is fantastic. It sounds like a soundtrack song. Yeah, <laughs> it absolutely. does. Oh, he nailed it. Absolutely. You know, yep. the whole whole buildup in that song up until the, the reggae part with what does it matter to you? You know, it's and there's a reason why it works and why it's it's held up all these years. Um, I just think it's a brilliant piece of production. I love the song, but the, the production certainly enhanced it. Yeah. Although yeah. I'll, I'll always go on to say the song's more important than the production. But right. if the production can be better then I'm all for it. Live and Let Die is, is really, it works for that song, what George Martin brought to it. He was the perfect producer. Absolutely. And I, I also had to put in that number one, although again, any of these could be number one for me, but I did have to put in Ballroom Dancing. Yeah. And just like you could include any song from Tug of War, the whole arrangement of Ballroom Dancing is so fantastic. The brass, how it's worked in, the guitar parts, the entire arrangement, I tend to prefer the tug of war recordings to the ones on Broad Street, whether it's Borum Dancing or Wanderlust. But man, the production on on Tug of War is so crisp, so perfect. Mm. You know, uh, Wanderlust, the horns on Wanderlust, the Baroque right. feel of Wanderlust. You know, who is better to bring that to a Paul McCartney song than yeah. George Martin? He Nobody's so, better. You know, right. for those songs and for what it called for. George Martin was the best that you could have. Um, but I do have to put in just a couple of honorable mentions. Yeah. And there's one, there's one uh, piece here that I knew none of you would mention. And that's Eleanor's oh. Dream. Uh, no. I oh, can't get yeah. past the scene in the movie. It's too long. <laughs> um, <laughs> Eleanor's Dream is a brilliant piece of music. The music's good. And, um, you know, it's the it's when you see the scene in the film that's very Charles Dickens-ish, and you've got Paul and Linda and Ringo and Barbara rowing a boat together. Um, the music from that is playing. And, um, you know, Paul, from what I understand, Paul and George Martin worked on the, the composition of that. But I'm sure George Martin did most of the arrangement, arranging, mm -hmm. if not all of it. But right. it was so wonderful to listen to that. It's like listening to side two of Yellow Submarine, you know, mm -hmm. the stuff that George Martin wrote for, for the film there. Um, George Martin was just so great at coming up with this instrumental music. And that's what I think of when I think of Eleanor's Dream. I think of Yellow Submarine music. You know, it's very similar in that regard. Mm. I got to I gotta give a shout out to Some Days. So perfect. The yeah. production on that Beautiful. song, everything. Like the harp that is in there. The way that it's yeah. used. It's And at the right moments. You know, I'm not sure... Um, it's not a clarinet, but there's an instrument that's used in some days. Maybe it's a bassoon. I'd have mm. to look it up. I should have looked this up. But um, <laughs> yeah, but it's just whatever the instrument is used is what's called for, and it works perfectly. Um, so those are the ones that I picked. But yeah. again, 
you know, I wish that for my number one pick, I could just say the entire tug of war album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. That's exactly. what I'm saying. Like, yeah. That's I a, could have closed best. my eyes and picked and, and just picked <laughs> any song. I mean, you know, because a number of people here have been mentioning, like, even, you know, Dress Me Up as Robber. That's another song that I'm like, you could put that. Uh, that's another stereo test. The Pound I is mean, Sinking. You know, yep. mm -hmm. Sinking. I, I, right. Someone else mentioned that here. Yes. I mean, absolutely. Any any song from that album uh, you could pick. Uh, I mean, that's, that album, that album stands on its own. It's It's got good material on it, but it really is elevated even more of by the production. Oh, exactly. Well-produced, mm -hmm. well-arranged, you know, great arrangements. Perfect, perfect teaming on that yeah. collaboration. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so just to give yeah. you guys an idea of how well this, this, you know, if you want to call it a collaboration or if you just want to call it a team or whatnot, but, I mean, very successful. Ebony and Ivory, number one here and in the UK. Uh, Take It Away, number 10 here, 15 in the UK. Say, 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 number one here, number two in the UK. Uh, so Bad, number 23 here. No More Lonely Nights, number six here and number two in the UK. We All Stand Together, uh, number three in the UK. Uh, Live and Let Die, obviously uh, another smash. Number two here, number nine in the UK. Uh, Tug of War, number one album here. Uh, number one in the UK. Pipes of Peace, uh, number four in the UK. Number 15 here. Broad Street, surprisingly, number one in the UK. And then uh, only number one, uh, no, only number 21 here in the States. But, uh, but between both sides of the Atlantic, I mean, a lot, a lot of uh, success. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, you got to think that uh, this, this, this work together uh, has got to be, you know, right there up the top with, the, you know, McCartney's catalog. I mean, just a lot of great songs mm -hmm. came from that, from those, especially from those, from those three albums. You know, just a lot of great work. Did you mention We All Stand Together, Tom? Yeah, number three in the, in the UK. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Yep. Pretty, uh, pretty successful partnership yeah. indeed, and yes. uh, and it's it's and there's so many. Uh, as I said, there uh, so many people have been mentioning uh, ones that uh, I think we all would have considered as as uh, runners up here. And uh, uh, and someone else mentioned, how did you feel? How did we feel about the dance version of No More Lonely Nights? I liked it. I, I actually kind of liked it. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's I, one yeah, I, not I'm not the it. biggest fan of, but yeah, uh, I'll yeah, play I, it from time to time. I, I actually liked it. I mean, <laughs> he was supposed to know what. It doesn't sound good to yeah. my ears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I. You know, I I, uh, I, I mean, I can listen it, yeah. to it. I can listen to it. It doesn't. That's not something I'm like. Oh my! I gotta turn that off. Ooh, you know, it's right. like that. Yeah. Just one of those songs that I was that I think is perfect as it is as the single was. I just something. You know, a lot of a lot of artists will go back and tinker uh, with with their past songs, just like you know that he did on you know most of of, of Broad Street. You know, mm. but uh, I tend to think you know that song was perfect as is, and I know they did all of these versions of it pretty much around the same time but uh, i think they should, should have just left it alone uh with that original you know well we did single version that. yeah well, that's <laughs> yep. fine that's yeah. great, that's great thing about this show. Yeah. <laughs> and for, and, and, i want to say for, for for what it's worth i was alluding to one other song that i said i thought maybe ken would have it on i didn't know so i, I saved one of my runner up runners up i had uncle albert on there admiral halsey on deserves there. it it deserves yeah. it you know the orchestration mm -hmm. on that the brass really right. complimented that song right where it mm -hmm. was needed um yeah but as far as the play out version of no more lonely nights i found it really interesting that you can take the exact same lyrics and then invent an entirely different melody 
<laughs> you know, and, and do I love something the with horns, it. Too. Yep. And the horns. Yeah. I'm a sucker for horns. A lot of people say, oh, you know, so they don't like certain song, rock songs, there's horns on it. I'm like, love the horns. But you everybody's horns. got their own taste. Some of the best yep. some of the best songs that Paul's done has got horns on it. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. right. Got to get you into my uh, life. Yeah. If he ever does a live show again, I, I hope he brings back that, that horn section. Oh, that was great. Uh, you know. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, it looks like we've uh, we've run out of time. It seemed like it went by in about five minutes, just, uh, just huh. as it always seems to every week. Um, so uh, thank you, everybody. You've had some wonderful comments here. And uh, and as I said, we read all the comments after the show. So uh, so don't worry. Uh, we definitely uh, will. But, uh, but thank you all for joining us. And uh, before we get to all of our contact information because sometimes we forget. I just want to make sure I mention uh, you can reach us um, at our email address at uh, talkmoresolotalk at gmail.com. You can also uh, find us on Twitter at talkmoretalk1. That's the number one. Of course, you can reach us on our Facebook page. You can. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. You can watch this on that. And of course, Pass on the information to all your family and friends, and uh, and you can also find the audio version of this on Podbean, uh, iHeartRadio, iTunes, virtually anywhere that uh, that you listen to your podcast. So um, thank you all for your support as always, and. Tell everybody you know. Spread the word. Yep. So, uh, all right. So now that we've got that out of the way, um, so let's uh, let's give out all our information. So, uh, Ken, let's start with you. Okay, you can reach me by email, which is everylittlething at att.net. My website is kenmichaelsradio.com. Uh, just recently, I did an interview with Chip Manninger and mm. Mark Easter, and I know Tom, you yep. and Andy had them both on your show. They put out this Bible yes. <laughs> back yes. in 2000 called Eight Arms to Hold You. It has just been revised as an ebook or a PDF, whatever you want to call it. And I'm giving mm -hmm. away copies on my website through my weekly Beatles trivia. There'll be a new trivia game uh, tonight on the website on my Beatles trivia and games page. And uh, the interview will be going up shortly on my website on my interviews for page yeah so, you um, know uh ken you could sell that uh book on ebay and get enough for a down payment on a house probably i'm looking for that book now that, 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 like, that book goes for big money on ebay for sure uh, now that i have a pdf i might just take up that yeah. offer <laughs> there you go so um my syndicated show of every little thing there's a brand new show that is premiering this week on many of my radio stations and it includes an interview with steve Matteo, who wrote a book on let it be back in 2004 Good. and Good he book. was just he was just on things we said today as a guest but the show every little thing if you go to my website and you look up the page for every little thing it'll list all the radio stations that carry the show when it's broadcast with links to their websites so you can stream them there's also a thematic set since i always do thematic set thematic sets in my show and this one has honorifics in the song title now you're all saying mm. what's an honorific <laughs> it's um, like a prefix for a name that shows respect in this mm. case it'll be mr mrs ms and miss oh songs that have that in the song titles so if you want to check out the show 
you can Move find it on the radio. That's in there. That's in <laughs> there. There you go. And then later on, I'll do one that'll have something like doctor or sergeant in the title. Mrs. Vanderbilt. That might be in there, too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's on the website. The next things we said today will be next week. I got to tell you, between this show tonight, our topic, and what we're going to do next week on things we said today, these are two of the toughest, to two of the toughest topics for me. I'm all tongue-tied today. Um mm. You know, picking my five favorite Paul and George collaborations. Next week, we're going to be listing our five least favorite Beatles songs. Oh, wow. Okay. Whoa. Now, we're not going to say we hate these songs or they're the worst of songs. Course. Just yeah, of course. what we like the least. And that's really tough for me to do. Right. Because yeah. I like wow. all of them. Yes, not counting... Yeah. Not counting Her Majesty and Wild Honey Pie and Revolution Number no. Nine and those songs. Yeah, because those but, are too easy. Right. I do the yeah. same thing. It's like, oh, just take the easy route out and take right. those, you know. Yeah. So that'll be next week on things we said today, and I think that's uh, that's about it. Cool. All right. Busy as always. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Always, always. All right, Joe. How about you? Oh, I'm not very busy. I just have my YouTube channel. <laughs> Well, mean Mr. Mayo and uh, Kit earlier in the beginning was talking about I had a separate channel, Mayo's Movies. But now I'm kind of like seeing what happens if I merge them all together, everything that I do, all the content on just the Mean Mr. Mayo channel. So that's I'm going to try that and see how that goes now. And there's all kinds of stuff there, beginning, of course, with Beatles and solo Beatles and Beatles news and opinions and discussions and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but then, of course, I do the very popular rant videos, you know, that people like to see me let off some steam about things. And now I'm putting more movie stuff on there. So I'm going to do a hodgepodge of this, that, and the other things and see how it goes. So far, the response has been very good for putting them all together. I've been ask, asking about that, uh, what yeah. people want, you know, and it's like 93%, you know, uh, I looked at the thumbs up and the percentages seem to say, yeah, put it all under one roof. That's a good idea. Because I'm kind of like a anal like that. I like to like put this belongs here, that belongs there. I don't like you're making a mess, yeah. but mm. so I hope to see you over there. And uh, you know, you can always contact me. Well, first you just answer the comments, and we'll go from there. So mm. cool. So so is the movie channel defunct, or is it? Uh... It's kind of well. I got all of the videos <laughs> on there for me. I have them private. I mean, they're there. Oh, okay. Not, you can't see them, but I, I, I've kept them in case like because I've this is the third time I've changed my mind. You know, I'm like John Lennon, <laughs> okay. I'm changing my mind all the time. You know, oh, that's what, one of the reasons why I guess I like John. You know, think a different thing tomorrow. So, mm -hmm. I gotcha. have fun. Okay. Have fun with it. Check it out. All, all right, sounds mm -hmm. good. Tom, how about you? Well, thank you, Kit and and Ken. Let me just add that uh, interview you guys did with Steve Badio was was really good. Um, thank you. That, that that month, that January '69, is one of my favorite topics. I mean, there was just so much going on, and in that one month alone, that uh, you know, if you could probably get a book like this thick and still wouldn't cover everything. It's it's a you know amazing month, and you guys did you guys did a great conversation with that, and uh, thank, thank you. you for that. So there's so um, much that happened that year in 1969. Yeah, it's really exactly. uh, you know. Yeah. Well, you could have a weekly podcast just on the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> you really can because yes. it's so complex. Yeah. You know? Right. 
Yeah, yeah. But anyways, for Two Legs, uh, you can reach us at our email page, twolegspodcast at gmail.com. We've got our YouTube channel, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast. Uh, please check us out there. That's where our uh, video cast is, uh, where you get to see all our lovely faces with all of our wonderful guests. Um, and speaking of guests, um, you know, as Ken said, uh, two shows ago, we had uh, uh, Chip Mettinger and Mark Easteron to talk about their, you know, as Ken said, the Bible of, of, of solo Beatles books. It's, it's really just an amazing thing. And and we talked about where you can uh, pick up their new PDF file, their new updated version, uh, which, uh, you know, unfortunately is not, you know, really necessarily updated with new material, but just more or less updated with uh, with new words, I guess you like to say. But, um, but yeah, but we also, our last uh, episode we just posted was uh, celebrating the 50th anniversary of the McCartney album. So you can check that out. And we are on Podbean, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and on YouTube, like I said. So, um, and I just want to give a shout out to my boy, Andy. Andy Nichols, uh, thank you for everything you do. And uh, that's about it. One thing, right. Tom. Yeah. Tom, if, you, if anyone's interested in that book, Eight Arms right. to Hold You, they can uh-huh. go to the website, Chip's website, Leninology.com, and you can order it from there. And he actually adds information about that time period. He expands on what's already in the book. In the book, right. And yeah, like I said, it's really worth a read. And uh, definitely worth checking out. And uh, you know, they, from because of his that interview, I, I ordered his Leninology book too. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was, you know, and that's and that's uh, as I'm turning the pages on that, that's really an interesting read as well. Great, very good. All right, and uh, as for me, I have uh, three uh, radio uh, uh, and podcast appearances. Uh, Two of them are already up, and one will be going up soon. Um, One is uh, for Gabby Road, which is a a local uh, podcast in Chicago, and I talk about uh, Little Richard and his uh, influence on music and the Beatles, and uh, that's up uh, on my uh, Facebook page, and also I think the link is up on um, our own uh, Talk More Talk page. Uh, I also uh, went on a friend of our, our show, uh, Tomorrow Never Knows, and talked about Astrid. Uh, we had a really interesting conversation about her influence on the Beatles and, and her uh, legacy as a photographer. And uh, so that uh, that link is up on my Facebook page, and I'll put that at, well, actually, it may, may already be up on our Talk More Talk. If it isn't, <laughs> I'll put it up there. Um, and, uh, and finally, I uh, just recorded an appearance on another friend of our show, and they was Fab. Uh, shout out to Ed Chen and Lonnie Pena. All right. And, uh, yep, and we... Uh, we uh, talk about the um, anthology, the TV version of anthology, and we talk about part one uh, of, uh, of the series. So it's going to be in two parts. So part one will be going up soon. As soon as it does, I will post it. So, uh, so those, all those things are coming up. Can so. I just add one thing, Kit? Um, real quick. Oh, sure. Yeah, I know you were on the show, and I just want to talk uh, briefly about another new podcast out there called Fans on the Run uh, that oh, Kit yeah. was on. Our, our, our other co-host, uh, Ken Womack, has been on it. Um, my, the show that I was on was just posted last Friday. Um, as I said, it's Fans on the Run. You can find them on YouTube, uh, hosted by a, a great young What's fan. What's his name, Tom? Ethan Alexanian. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I was asked to do a show, yes. so I'm going to try to do yes. one uh, soon. Yes. So, you got to do one. And I'm going to be on his show too very soon. Yep. So Good. we're all going to eventually be on it. And if you're interested in hearing people's Beatles stories, that's pretty much what it is. It's telling people's their, their Beatles stories, you know, talking about their favorite Beatles songs, their favorite Beatles albums, and, and stuff like that. It's it's a lot of fun. And uh, he, he's got great enthusiasm for the music. And, uh, you know, I mean, I wish 18. I had. Yeah, I wish I had YouTube. When I was 18, I'd be doing the same damn thing. And, uh, you know, but it's a lot of fun. So check that out, Fans on the Run, on YouTube. Great guy. Great yep. guy. So, all right. Well, that about does it for us for this week. So uh, we will see you uh, in uh, just a couple of weeks. So until then, for Ken Michaels, mean Mr. Mayo, and Tom Hunyadi. This is Kiddo Tool saying <laughs> stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Take care.